All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Sci-Fi Distilled. Welcome back, Mary Beth, of course. And welcome cap back, Captain Phil. Hello, Captain Phil. How Thanks are for you? having me. How's everybody today? doing today? Like your theme song. What's that? You like our theme? You don't or you don't? Well, I, I want to write lyrics to it. Well, oh, like, oh, well you're, you're not going to get like Roddenberry. You're not going to get any kind of yeah, residuals like, from, from, from yeah. it. It's because you wrote yeah, things. So. Like, I've hey, already made my music money. money. How are you doing, David? <laughs> so tonight we are doing one of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't care if you don't think it's a Christmas movie because it is Hi, to Jeff. me. Die um, Die Hard. So, um, but before we get into that, I think we have news. We got a little bit of news. So let's do the news. Let's do the news. Wednesday night, 7 p.m. It is time for news. Got to scroll back up. Okay. These are all short. This is like lightning round news. Are you ready? Witcher season two. Coming out about a week and a half. Uh, 2000, which I'm excited for. I enjoy that show. Uh, 2009's Mr. Nobody starring Jared Leto is finally on HBO Max. This thing won critical acclaim. Check it out. The Expanse, December 10th on Amazon Prime. Walking Dead, all done, go bye-bye. But Fear the Walking Dead has been given an eighth season. Why? Why? I don't know. Talk about milking a, a, a genre in a show. It had another one, too. Something else, like, about the Walking Dead. And that one finally did get canceled, too. But Yeah, it's just, they, they, they really kind of, AMCs, I think, needs to come up with some new stuff. It'll never. I used to watch Talking Dead, the, the talk show after the show. I never watched any of those. I really could care less. <laughs> kind of oh, like that walking dead the world beyond i i used to i really loved i really liked walking dead until it got to like the fourth or fifth season and then it was like repetitive it was the same story over and over and over again it was just moving on uh yeah. kevin feige has confirmed charlie cox as daredevil i have no idea when they will start filming anything for that um an animated spinoff to the boys entitled diabolical is in the works at Amazon and expected to stream in 2022. So that's coming. Colin Farrell has been signed to play the Penguin in an upcoming, uh, the movie's just The Batman, I guess, in an upcoming The Batman. That'll be late 2022 or maybe early 2023. And then th this was written kind of weird. And then it says, and then he turns his attention to the series on HBO Max. Is it going to be The Batman movie, <laughs> The Batman, the movie, and then The Batman, the series? Does anybody know? That's that the first I've heard about that. I do not know. All right. I did and see the trailer for Into the Spider-Verse, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's Spider that that actually was done really well. Yeah, yeah. And last piece of news uh, is from Monday. The Matrix 4, Re uh, Matrix 4 Resurrections. Uh, tickets went on sale on Monday, and they dropped another new trailer on Monday. And it looks awesome. Like it looks like it's really like they're just layering stuff in and doing lots of callbacks and taking like. Oh, I think stuff I saw that. So I think I saw that last years. night. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is really, really good. It looks good. Like it looks interesting. Like I am looking forward to seeing this. I have to remember the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can refer back because we did that a few months ago. We did do the Matrix a couple months ago. Yeah. Well, you can refer yeah, back to our. Was our glowing um, review of that movie. Chris so. LaRoche, The Walking Dead Tired. Oh, it's a post office show, The Walking Dead Tired. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. And it's his busy season, so. Jeff says, MB, turn up your mic. We went, I'm using a new mic really? tonight, guys. Sounds um, perfect to me. Quiet. Rizzo says he can hear me. Can yeah, you hear me, perfect. Captain? Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
Captain Phil. Oh, nobody's talking. <laughs> we don't know. She asked you a question. Can you hear her okay? Oh, I can hear her just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't I don't know what the deal is there, but you sound fine to me, MB. Hey, let's do the drink before we get too yes, far because we always go. So and of course it's the Yippie Kaye. And Yippie it's Kaye. very Christmassy. I picked this one because I thought it was very holiday with eggnog, whiskey, and dark rum. That ought to get you going. Nog and rum. That'll get you through the holidays with your family. Drink yes. a few of those, you'll be all right. Can you set it on fire? A diehard drink ought to catch on fire. Well, I know, you know, if you put enough whiskey in it, Phil, maybe layer that on, just layer it on top and light it. A diehard drink should double as a Molotov. I was, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But, you know. Or drink so, it while repelling down the side of an office building with a fire hose, you know. <laughs> yeah okay so, so sue says i'm soft and echoey jeff says he can hear me but mike's louder and he still has to turn it up well you could try to just hit the auto on your thing yeah, and see if that's better that i guess was that in zoom or was that in my that was in zoom. That's in zoom well i hear everybody fine i hope i'm not blowing anybody else out of the, no, okay the so while mary beth is screwing around that i'm going to play the the the, the theatrical trailer for this from 1988 this was not the one that they put on TV, though, and I want to talk about that later. Um, but for right now, we're going to run this so you, for your enjoyment. So I'm back in high school again. Here we go. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home soon? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead... He's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. They're as brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. And I'm telling you, you just gonna have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants think, David, think. is to be a hero. Where's Holly? Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> they have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Mistake. Who knew? 
All right. <laughs> That's great. John Carpenter yeah. wants his soundtrack music back. Yeah. yeah. Some, some good uh, stuff there. Yes. Yeah. The original one, if I remember from 1988, had it was more over the top, if you can believe it. That was more like it was said something like so many floors of, of action or terror or something like it was. And anyway, the reason the point I'm making was that when I first saw that trailer, I was like, this movie looks ridiculous. Really? <laughs> and, and yeah, I didn't. And when I love action movies, don't get me wrong, but I don't know why I just felt. But then I went and saw it. And of course, you know, it clearly was a great movie. So um, but uh, yeah, it's this is Bruce Willis's first real big movie debut. Of course, he had done. He did. Uh, moonlighting prior to this yep, um, doing this right off of moonlighting kind of thing so this was a big and, and he got five million for this which was unheard of at the time for for a lead guy especially somebody that had not not you know like Schwartz. i know they had looked at schwarzenegger for this role um he turned it down they, uh, he turned it down to go do twins yeah to twins and who were there were some other people that also they uh, did i i have a list they looked at uh, schwarzenegger stallone harrison ford don johnson richard Gere, de niro and pacino all of them and others um i can't see richard Gere doing this i can see mm -hmm. de niro doing this um what was the other one you said uh, Pacino and De Niro. Yeah, Pacino definitely. Harrison for, I could see Harrison Ford. Maybe oh, yeah. John I, Har Harrison was too big a star at that point. Yeah, yeah. For, for yeah, that, I think. It seemed a little, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He, I mean, Harrison, of course, could have done it, but I, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's funny because you see it and you're like, because you need that little bit of comedy and he has that, but I, I don't know if it would have worked as well. Yeah, he's uh, a little smart. He's got that perfect smile. Same thing with De Niro and Pacino is not funny. <laughs> I think Pacino no, could have done the whole New York thing really well, you know. Yeah, it just it just wouldn't have had a comedy. It would have been more serious, I think, if Pacino did. Yeah, it. and and that was a, a deliberate choice on uh, McTiernan, the director know. John McTiernan's part. Long Day Afternoon was kind of funny in parts. <laughs> well, the thing with this movie, it was constantly they were constantly adding to the script as they were shooting. They it were writing it as they, they went. Were clearly, they kept editing and writing and editing as the as the thing went on. And and he created a whole, it created a plot hole later that because uh, they wanted to know how did he know that when Hans Gruber faked the American accent, how did McLean know? And that is actually a plot hole. There was going to be a reason, a very sensible reason how he would know. But it because they were writing this thing as it went, they created a plot hole for themselves. And that that scene, that know. scene was unrehearsed. And that scene was unrehearsed because yeah, he wanted they, that nervous energy. So they got, so they got that kind of, yeah, they they kind of got a more. The, the plot hole, just so you guys know, uh, it was that uh, he was going to know by his watch. All the terrorists had the same watch, and there was a shot in the van, the truck that they rode in on, showing them, showing them, he, like you know, synchronize your watches. So it showed everyone put their hand out, and they all had the same watch. But then they decided, but they didn't no, have wait. the ambulance. Yeah, exactly. They're like, no, no, wait, wait. We need an ambulance in here too. Yeah, so yeah. we need <laughs> others. So it just completely screwed up the yeah. whole thing. But well, this is not a movie that you nitpick for reality. No, Let's no plot. You can't worry um, about the plot on this thing. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a it's a thrill ride. It's like a roller coaster type of movie where it's just you know constant action and and great lines. I mean, hi Ron. Very quotable, very quotable film. Um, and then Reitman as the as the bad guy, and I, I think I love it when they find out you know he's not really a terrorist. It's like you're just a common thief. He's a common thief, but I'm 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 I'm, I'm, not, the I'm not as common. No, I'm an exceptional dead. thief, and now I'm moving up the moving kidnapping. up the kidnapping. So you you should be more respectful. 
That's Alan Rickman. We love him. Um, by all accounts, by everything I've ever read and seen, he was nothing like the heavies he played. He was a oh, lovely, I'm lovely, kidding. lovely man. If you want to see him playing a good guy, watch. If you really want to see him being really, really lovely, like really lovely, watch Sense and Sensibility. Um, and if you just want to cry your eyes out, watch him in Truly Madly Deeply and you will sob. Yeah, okay. Oh, I remember that movie. Oh my God, that was such a good movie. Oh, yes. I saw that in an art theater. Yeah, oh, so it's that kind crazy. of a movie. But you will cry. Like it, it just, you'll, oh, yeah. you'll, yeah. You brought that back. I, I forgot about that movie. Oh, that's sounds, pretty cool. Sounds like a movie that's in desperate need of a car chase. <laughs> Um, yes, it is a movie in desperate need of a car chase. It's, it's, a, Since, chick, it's total, a total chick it's flick. It's a chick flick. It's yeah, absolutely yeah, that's what I, it's we, too much dialogue. We, Shut off the car and chase it. A lot of Alan Rickman emoting. Yes. yes, yes. 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 Bonnie Bedelia on, and, and Rickman actually became very good friends on this movie. And yes. They had lunch like every day. And like she said, um, uh, I think uh, at one of the 30th anniversaries of the film or something, she said that he uh, he's nothing like you know, he was such a lovely, like people have, uh, have said, he's a very lovely man and very calm and not, not Hans Gruber at all. No, no not Severus. I, I, I actually like, I, I like the way she played her character. She seemed very New York to me, which I liked. Maybe I wasn't paying too close attention. I thought there was going to be some issue with her being at this company and the, you know, the CEOs above her, you know, were, were maneuvering her to cheat on her husband or whatever. I, I just got that vibe, but I don't remember if that was actually part of it. Um, the one the one was Mackinoner, the one that did coke. Yeah, yeah the, the guy that Ellis, the guy that played, the, yeah, Ellis, who, you know, yeah. Hans, Booby, I'm oh, your white yeah. knight. Me? Which was ad-libbed, by the way, yes. Improvised line, <laughs> yeah. That's why Rick, Rickman looks like, he looks kind of like, Confused yeah. what he says. That was a natural reaction. Like, well, I, I read on IMDb that he was high on coke for the entire production. Um, oh, the guy that Hart Ellis. Uh, oh, Ellis? yeah, yeah, Hart Bo Bocher. Bocher. The, the character was doing yeah. coke, whether or not the action. The yeah, actor. I mean, well, it was the eighties, and that was pretty prevalent, yeah. so it wouldn't. I it bet you half the cast was probably coke, coke. Real coke on that set. There was probably a and lot then, of cocaine. There's the in joke. They bring him a Coca Cola while he's sitting there, yeah. ostensibly negotiating, yeah. and you know he asked for coke, and you know that was not what he asked for. Like yeah. you know that that was the joke, right? Yeah. The but. the thing with Bonnie though is I I. She looks more like a housewife. She doesn't look like you know a runaway model or anything. She she and I and I like that about this movie because I was expecting her. I didn't remember her from the first time I'd seen this. When I watched this the other day, I was like, "Oh, that's his wife." She just looks like a wife, you know. She looks yeah. whatever. And I'm not that's saying she's not, not a beautiful woman or something. But I expected <laughs> like big hair. I expected like everybody in, in the company to like be chasing her, and she just seemed like. She got her, she got, you know, she worked hard. She got this position. She didn't agree. He wanted to stay on the beat in New York, you know, or wanted to work until his pension in New York City. Um, and they had a, you know, they disagreed. And well, they, they kind of, they kind of, they kind of fleshed that out too at one point where that he didn't go because he just thought she was going to fail and come yeah. back. Yeah, they, they, they did a lot of exposition yeah. with him in the in that limo with, yeah. the, with the limo driver. That's a whole bunch of exposition, and in it, it specifies. Yeah, he thought yeah. she he thought she was just going to fail and then come back, so he didn't want to have to quit his job and then go back. So um, yeah. he was clearly wrong. <laughs> Liz is saying, you, um, it, it, 
this this is kind of like this is kind of like um a pro-union anti-corporatism sort of movie because everybody who's in charge in this movie is an idiot the people who run the nakatomi company you know they screw the whole thing up the terrorists screw the whole thing up the chief of police screws the whole thing up the fbi screws the whole thing up it's reginald van john val johnson it's and bruce willis bruce and it's like those are the yeah. three people you know and rickman is almost a competent villain but he makes too many mistakes but those are the three and it sort of like says he well, did. he had his plan was really quite well thought out. It was as 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 Bruce said, he goes, I'm the fly in the ointment, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. He really he was because if if Willis wasn't, of course, if Willis wasn't there, none they would have gotten away with it, probably because they his had plan was to appear dead. Yeah, so it, it, exactly. That, that they were all going to be blown up on the roof with everybody else. And that was the end. And they get away in the in the ambulance with all the bearer bonds. So yeah. his plan he, was great until Bruce. Bond, he got to the bonds. He yeah. had the yeah, he bonds had him in his hands. Hand. Yep. So he was successful. Which is in a great that. scene too. I love that scene when the when the guy finally cracks the safe and you get this ode to joy. Yeah, and the light. You know, like Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It was a good scene. Just so it was done. That was done because they made them cut the power. So yeah, was, right, right. Again, was, that was, was all that part of the plan. Stupid. You cut the power, yeah. the doors open. I don't. Well, think it so. was the way that I guess there were magnetic locks. So yeah, they were. Yeah, well, well, so, you know, it's again, you can't really read too much. Ode to joy is you used so brilliantly in this movie like it that was actually genius that's um what's the music guy's name i can tell you if you give me a second um yes. michael <laughs> michael Kamen. oh yeah he's great he's interesting he's an interesting character he scored a lot of stuff but um mctiernan the director kept telling him i need the tone of this we need to bring in joy we need to bring in joy and and Cayman's like, okay, here's Ode to, here's this Beethoven's Ninth. And when McTiernan found out it was also called Ode to Joy, he was just like, oh my God, this, this is it. But yeah, it, yeah, it was really, really interesting choices. A lot of interesting choices by the director. And uh, as we go through this movie, I want to try to remember to point some of them out for you. Yeah. Um, well, just really, I, yeah. But I, I, I like that. I was to, just to about this point though. You, this movie does make the police and the FBI especially look really completely moronic. Yeah. and idiotic yeah. i mean right from the right from the point where he's trying to call 911 or usually you've heard the radio yeah call in the music which was in the clip and this is this frequency is reserved for emergencies what do i sound like i'm ordering a pizza we've got i'm, I'm gonna call him walter peck it's william atherton it doesn't have yeah. to have william, william, william atherton as this recorder Yes, like, he's what, the, what was the order. Point yeah, of him. he could have been completely cut out, and it would. He wasn't been. necessary, but he he just I don't know. Yeah, he gets. Well, it's, it's so it's so it's so Bonnie Bedelia he's, can punch him at the end. Yeah, so he's the reason why they figured out um, Bruce Willis and Bonnie. Right, uh, it, right. It did. It did have. Yeah, oh, right. yeah he, he did have a bit of in the plot, plot that yeah. that's how that's how Hans figured out who he was. And, and isn't he from Ghostbusters, the man with no dick? Yes, he's dickless. Yes, he always plays poor poor William Atherton. Um, I like I said, I've met the man, and he's a very nice man. He's again always plays an asshole. Paul Gleason, the the head of the chief of the, the guy that's the yeah, he's the he's the uh, at he least plays, the, I don't know if he's the chief of police, but he's like the he's he like the commander the, or something. The, um, the principal in yeah Breakfast in, in Club. Breakfast Club. He always yes. plays another one that always plays an idiot. Wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't he going? 
what was he? Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Doesn't Club. he go like this to the kids? And like, I don't, he's doing some weird totally. thing. Yeah. So, I want to yeah, just... touch on uh, Ode to Joy for just one second. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Because I like, I like what you said, uh, Mary Beth. And you know, like, I'm your BFF forever, but I disagree with you um, because I am emotionally attached to that piece. And I felt to mate that piece with German terrorists was like a massive um, uh, betrayal to me, you know? So, really? so I didn't like that. I didn't but like they weren't that. terrorists. They were thieves. Okay, German <laughs> thieves, you know? But that whole thing, I kept listening like to that. I was like, <laughs> I feel it works better in Clockwork Orange, you know? Yes, uh, you it know, was in, in clockwork. terms of a plot point. I mean, I like, I mean, the use of it here is because it's so familiar, but they even, they went into it more. They went into like with the, with the three soloists part as well, you yes. know, where, where the three soloists are, are singing joy, they're out in the field and sing joy, joy, da 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 And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you don't blow up buildings to this piece of music. Get Ride of the Valkyries, you know? <laughs> so, you know? Well, those of us that, that are was, just that, that like are just watching, yeah. I mean, but it, it it completely works in that scene. I mean, there's just, I mean, I can, you know, as a piece of as a piece of film, you're absolutely right. It works, but I, I, I'm like, I'm like, super you know, quick history. Gonna, it it would make sense that a Japanese company would be playing it at their Christmas party because super super quickly, um, it was introduced to Japan in World War One. World War One, actually, by German POWs. And uh, oh, to joy. Yes. Oh, cool. And they kind of latched onto it, and they play it every year. It gets played at the end of the year every year. Um, they call it. Uh, I know what they call it. Daiku, Daiku, which means the big nine, because uh -huh. it is Beethoven's ninth. Um, and it's a really, really popular piece in Japan. So, of course, when a Japanese company comes on, takes over in America, and they're saying, look, we, we are um, one of you. And, and McTiernan made some really, really, it was McTiernan's choice to add the line about um, the Japanese uh, businessman that he had been in an internment. He, like, he was saying, this guy's a regular American. Yeah, he he yeah he's saying when when um, Alan Rickman's walking through the crowd looking for the boss, the Japanese boss, he's rattling off facts. Went to Harvard, did this, was interned during World War II, and so I, that McTiernan made that choice that to add that to say this guy's a regular American guy, the Japanese not the enemy in this movie. Um, although I didn't, I didn't it played realize, on fear. I didn't realize that that fact about the Japanese and their relationship to the Ninth Symphony. Yes. Oh, they love it. it. It gets played a lot over there. Um, it gets, it, they, they had like 54 concerts going across the, the, the islands one year, just I all see, over the I place. I seem to remember so. seeing something like that. I think, I think, I mean, the historic thing about the ninth that always stays in my mind is when the Berlin wall came down. Yeah. The came yeah. down and they were playing that they were singing that. And I was like, Oh, if only my mother was alive to see this. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like amazing. So, so yeah, I, okay. So that's good. So, so and Kaiman, um, Kaiman is smart with it. He starts it slow and low and he lets it rise and he does yeah. those deep cello strings, which just Alan Rickman being Alan Rickman, you know, and then, you know, and then it hits its crescendo when we're blowing the whole building up. <laughs> this movie could not have been made after 9-11. Mm -mm. 
um, oh God, no. there was a bunch well, of stuff. That, no, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that's yeah, that would have been papers falling, but yeah, there was a yeah, lot. There's of a stuff lot of that stuff that, yeah. that the, the building, the, the top floor blowing, the top up. blowing up. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's that's going on there. So we anyway, we, we've been through most of the cast, a lot of the cast. We've well, already talked about Bruce. Everybody knows Bruce. I yeah, mean, I wanted certainly. to talk about. Um, I want to talk about on the cast. Sam Neill turned down Hans Gruber. They offered it to Sam and he said no. For um for the wife, they looked at Streep, Carrie Fisher, Diane Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Glenn Close, Sally Field, Linda Hamilton, Gina Davis, Deborah Winger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kelly McGillis, that was a girl from Todd Gunn, remember her, and Goldie Hawn. They offered it to Kirstie Alley, but uh, her producer, James Burroughs, over at Cheers would not give her time off. And it was actually Bruce who said, hey, check out this chick, Bonnie Bedelia. He had seen her in the race car movie and said she would be a good fit. I'm assuming Carrie Fisher was probably in the midst of a drug problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that was oh, when, when did Jedi, when did like Jedi come out? That was Carrie, Carrie would have had right. shown Bruce in this movie. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah, Jedi she, was in 84. Yeah. But uh, so then, yeah, so Bonnie oh. obviously was, was key and she was very, she was, she was awesome in this role. I mean, there's no question about perfect. it, but I think, you know, we love the one guys who was, Sergeant Al Powell. I mean, he's he, him and Bruce are are the show with 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 Alan. Really, it's and, that and triangle of people, in my opinion. Never, never actually meet. They're all just talking to each other. And right. They and they met for the very first time. Um, Bruce and the actor whose name is escaping me, Reginald. Right. They yeah, met Reginald Vell Johnson. At that scene where they meet, where they finally meet yeah. for the first time, yeah. that was them actually meeting yeah. for the first time. So you know, it's just he he he. Well, first of all, he plays the part so well, you know. And even when he's buying, right from when he right from when we meet him, when he's buying the Twinkies, you know, he's like, yeah. "My wife's pregnant." Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's instantly like you. Instantly relate to him because Bruce, when Bruce you know is in the movie, he is the eye candy. He is the tough guy. He's in that muscle shirt. I can think of the first 10 minutes and the rest of the movie is spent greasing him up and making him bloody and greasy and shiny. So I guess all the chicks who were watching this thing were just like crushing on him for the whole thing it was like this dude, you know, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, well, he's as I say, he, he was coming off of moonlighting and he was, it was very popular and he was, he was basically, you know, that's, he and was, moonlighting was great. I I remember watching moonlighting. I, I, well, atomic Shakespeare, like the brilliant, just a brilliant episode of uh, of moonlighting. Mm. That show was great. You know, I I loved it. And I know there was problems behind the scenes and stuff. It was a great well, show. Yeah, it was, Sybil, it was Sybil a Shepherd had a lot of issues there. No, yeah. that, but no, you know, that, it's funny because because Reginald went on to play a cop in many other. He was also our cop yeah. at Ghostbusters, if you remember. Yes. He was our he was a Ghostbusters. And he was a cop on a. Bear wants to see a whole island's going crazy. And then he, I believe he had his own TV show where he played yeah. a cop, right? Yeah. So he, he plays he plays a police officer very well. <laughs> um, so that was a, yeah, it was a really good good choice with him, of course. And and you know, um, I, I I love the scene because you know when the body comes flying down and lands on the hood of his car, <laughs> I mean, yes. he just like, slams it in reverse. It takes it. Yeah, that's just great. I that's just um great. I would just add as we were talking about the cast is they did as a courtesy offer it to Frank Sinatra, and the reason why. And he was 73 at the time, of course, he said no. But the reason why they did, as a courtesy, offer it to him, um, and they offered it as a courtesy to Clint Eastwood, and there's a reason why for that, too. They offered it to Frank because Frank had starred in the 1968's The Detective, and uh, which is based on a novel, The Detective, 
And the novel, the sequel to the detective, the novel sequel is um, what this was based on, which is called, um, and of course this went right out of my head. It was just literally in my head. Uh, la, 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 la. This was based, oh, um, um, no, no, not that. Nothing Lasts Forever. So it was the detective and the sequel was Nothing Lasts Forever. And so they were like, well, since it's the sequel, we should offer it to Frank. And of course he said no. They offered it to Clint, to Clint Eastwood because Clint Eastwood had already bought the rights to Nothing Lasts Forever. He thought he was going to make the movie. Um, and then somehow just never got around to it. So, which and it would have kind of made sense for him to do it because in the novel, he's, he's older, he's a retired cop and he's, you know, doing other yeah, stuff. It worked so. the way it did. I think the whole, his whole backstory, bit. how he ended up, you know, not really, he wanted to be a beat cop anymore because yeah. he had actually shot a kid. And, and they couldn't, they couldn't do too much of that because it was just oh, yeah, no. the adrenaline flowing and keep the action going throughout it. So they couldn't have too many you know things where this is why this policeman is this way this is why bruce is his way this is why his wife is that way it's just like all right bad guys on the fifth floor you know set the c4 and blow things up you know that was yeah. basically yeah. needed to go before before we get further i wanted to mention one thing um because i know you're going to go into christmas in a minute uh, rizzo is bruce willis in an episode of the 1985 version of the twilight zone written by harlan ellison called Shatterday, which he was brilliant in. It's a terrific uh, short story by Harlan. It's on my mind, uh, Mary Beth, because we talked about it on, we talked yeah, about Harlan on Harlan's. Sunday. Um, but this, um, you know, was an early work of, of uh, Bruce's, but prior to Moonlighting, um, where he is the main character of this, you know, short story runs about 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. You could probably see it on YouTube um so if you want to look for it but it's the twilight zone the 1985 version he plays uh peter noving uh shatterday it's about a man who is much like he's worried his wife and diehard is going to be a corporate tool someone who puts work before everything else you know he doesn't you know he he, he has he has relationships and he and he's cold and, and 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 mean to them you know and and he doesn't like stay in contact with his wife and in shatterday he shatters Mm. And a responsible version of him shows up and takes over his life because he calls his house to leave a message and he picks up. And that's where the story starts. So the science fiction element is there's two of them, and the one that broke off is responsible, making up for all his misdeeds. Interesting. Interesting. It's a great story. It's a great story. Not as great as Repent Harlequin, um, but Bruce is great in it. And that was a sign for me of the Bruce of 12 Monkeys, you know, and the more serious works. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a very versatile actor. And in, actually in 12 Monkeys um, was the film where I realized that Brad Pitt could act. Uh, yeah. And act very yeah. well because he, in that film, maybe we'll do that film because that is a great film. His, yeah. his portrayal of the crazy was amazing. He really did a, a really good job. So yeah, Bruce, um, I, I have, Brad, I have to Brad this really one. showed that he wasn't just a pretty face. You know, mm -hmm. that he had talent. So I have to tell you this result. Um, when when the pandemic first hit and we went full remote and and I would uh like do the you know where to get tested, you know, do these talk-ups live on the air. I played that accordion music from 12 Monkeys as my background <laughs> music because of the pandemic tie-in. I thought it was I didn't think anybody was getting it, but I was getting it. You know, and I was like, I just thought it was Still great. entertaining was, himself. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. I I'm my best audience. I, 
I want to talk about Dr. Alexander saying they had to do all the hel helicopter scenes at night and the LAPD had a fit. I want to talk about like, this was like guerrilla filming in a lot of ways. And they, they were given permission to film. They filmed in the Fox building. Yeah, they say it was, that building was unfinished and Fox actually charged themselves rent. Yes. And all that stuff, when they say on the, on the floors where that weren't finished, those were actually all floors that weren't. Was that was not a soundstage. Yeah. Um, they, they said the rules were you got film at night, no permanent damage. They broke that rule. They broke the film at night and I don't know, you gotta be out by whenever they broke all those rules because <laughs> they did leave permanent damage. Everybody when down that, here is now covered in glass. <laughs> when that glass. armored truck thing went up the stairs, it yeah. took out a railing. It yeah. actually took out a, it took yeah. out really for real, took out a railing yeah. and they didn't replace it. And the quarterback is toast. And the quarterback is toast. <laughs> that guy was so charismatic. I like half the time I was like, I wish he wasn't a bad guy. He should have like, yeah, he, was he was, cool. didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he was the atypical, like he, yeah, he he was, was, like, but he was like the computer the team. Like there were some Germans. I was like, okay, yeah, a lot of them, although a lot of the guys that were actually actors were not German. It was kind of funny. They just, yeah. There was the one who kept talking in the Southern accent. So I was like, is he a German guy? The guy that looked like Huey Lewis. Yeah, the Huey Lewis Everybody guy. thought he was Huey Lewis, like he's Huey Lewis, but it wasn't Huey Lewis. I, I did keep thinking of him as Huey a Lewis. A lot of people did. Is that Huey? That looks like Huey Lewis. Is that Huey, Huey Lewis? Lewis. <laughs> well, I think he was doing that accent. Charge them rent. That, he purposely that came in. He, he purposely he had that accent. I think so. When the when when Al Powell came in to check out, he was kind of he, he began yeah. a German accent. Maybe it would have seemed suspicious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe the, so. He was trying to do the. Remember, he was watching the football game. He was trying to make it like, oh yeah, just another boring night at Nakatomi yeah. Tower. Can I look around? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So um, we talked about yeah, all this in a little bit already, and. Uh, and of course, William Atherton and the rest of the cast is pretty, um, nobody really standing out. Oh, no. And, you know, we had no roads. Paul Gleason is our actual one road to Star Trek. And this is how kids, uh, he's never been in Star Trek. He played Major James T. Kirk in a 1979 movie called Women at West Point. <laughs> So that's that's really and that's it kids that's and a that very thin 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 i don't know i think i think if you want to stretch it you could make bruce being in uh that twilight zone by harlan who wrote for star trek yeah yeah you go. There's we, we were actually seven guys, separations were, of star trek yeah they yes. were we'll call it seven people. separations of star trek. yes the six degrees of star trek <laughs> they were stunt people vfx people uh or sfx people and some music folks or sound folks who were did Star Trek stuff. I usually just pick out the actors, but yeah. But that was it. That was the only actor that had anything even remotely. And it wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one-liners in this film, of course, also make it um, you know, what it is. I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, like I think David uh, Dr. Alexander was uh was giving he was or he was listing them all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he had a few of them, but you know we're gonna need, we're gonna need a couple more FBI guys, you know, in the, in the helicopter. FBI guys, the FBI guys were hysterical, you know. This is um, I'm Agent Johnson, the Special Agent Johnson, no relation, no relation. One and black, McTiernan, it was the white that guy was that was gonna say that, and McTiernan flipped it to make the black guy say that, and that yes. makes so much more sense because one, if a white guy says it, the under like the, the undertone is like it's racist, yeah, yeah, it's racist. No relation. So, but it's just smarter. Oh, and then he gave the he gave that same black guy a really funny line in the helicopter. Like yeah, when, oh, when like, it oh, says, it's like Vietnam, it's, it's like, like it's or Because, dude, I was in, I was in junior high. I was in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> did, I mean, I did I miss something with the helicopter scene? The helicopter flies in, 
And apparently the guy with the gun in the helicopter is crazy and he wants to shoot at everything. Um, I mean, was there a reason for that? He was shooting at Bruce on the roof. Well, he thought Bruce was one of the terrorists. Yeah, he thought Bruce was one of the terrorists. That's why Bruce had the machine gun. But he came in super hot and gung-ho and usually... Well, that's what they're saying. They were... Well, if you're earlier in the movie, the FBI guys say, you know, well, we're figuring like so many percentage casualties of the the hostages. And they were like, oh, I can live with that. that. Like, so they they had no... They they were... That's why I said the FBI and the police were made out to be complete morons and just like the FBI is like, yeah, so we kill half the hostages. That's all right. We still still save half of them. You know, it's that glasses half full thing. You know, that's how. So, of course, they went in hot and they even said, remember, you know, keep it on the deck. They're expecting transports, not gunships. Yeah. So, um, you know, but like I said, like Han said, he had the, you know, we have the the FBI terrorist playbook and we're running it play by play. Play by play. Yeah. (laughs) So they knew exactly what they were going to do. But yeah, that that's one of the funnier scenes, of course, yeah, that and um I think the last Gleason has one of the best lines at the end when when Hans does fall off the thing. I'm like, I hope that's not one of the hostages. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, he, is, he really does play the clueless. I mean, he's basically the clueless school principal. Yeah, you want a breath you know? mint in a lot of ways. The eyes here. You want a breath mint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's all excited because if yeah, that's that's actually really rude because it makes it sound like you were expecting him to kiss their ass. You know, so yeah, that's like. It's like oh you know that's really disrespectful you know yeah so it's how it's, do they let sergeant powell stay on that radio through the whole movie i thought they would just have confiscated it they did have a fight so you at one point he said anything. yeah at one point he said he's and he said i'm not leaving but i guess they figured yeah i don't know well the, and at another point a, bruce said put powell back on yeah he yeah he put the other guy back on right you put the other guy back on so that's what he said here you talk to him because so i mean it again we we can't put any you can't take this movie and start dissecting what's reality and what's not (laughs) you know i mean it's 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 just yeah it's a lot of like i said i look at this movie as a roller coaster ride with some great lines in it you know really great i I mean mean, so so where 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 let's yeah, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room or the elephant under the tree. Oh, whether it's a Christmas movie or not, they only reference Christmas, Christmas ninety-seven thousand times through the course of this movie. Well, it's obviously Christmas time. He's going to a Christmas party. Christmas I mean, that's party. That's why he's at the Christmas building in the first place. In but fact, that's came, what he told. Oh, I got invited by accident. You know, because he didn't want to tell that his wife worked there. But it became like a Christmas tradition in this, in this, in the in the spirit of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Charlie Brown Christmas, you know? And that's the thing I'm like looking at, like it, it transformed itself. Did it do that? Like a Christmas story. Did was that it because, actually PBS really? Well, here's the thing. It was released in July. Oh, it was released in July. So, so it, was, it was a summer blockbuster film. It was never, which is why people argue that it's not a Christmas film. Like, I don't know why you have to have a Christmas film. I mean, most Christmas films would be released around Christmas if it was intended to be a Christmas film. But I think this just became a cult classic and people latched onto it because it took it took place at Christmas. But where where did that I mean, did it I'm thinking it happened through internet memes and and you know I think it I think it's like, basically yeah, I think that's what basically happened. It just kind of took off. I think the internet it never was I never thought of it as a Christmas movie. Did it happen like to in get the 90s or anything like that? Over the holiday, like you know how people are home and they're watching TV. Did it happen to get replayed a lot or something? Sometimes. I don't know really why. I mean, maybe somebody could go. I don't know why it became a Christmas movie, but 
I'm thinking it probably replayed a lot like on on the premium channel networks like HBO or Showtime mm-hmm. or something back in mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing the 1990s, you know, that, you know, Die Hard would be playing all the time and people were watching it multiple times. So I think that's where it like entered into uh, the zeitgeist or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and um, at the same time, TBS is running uh, a Christmas story 24 hours a day on Christmas Eve. Sure. Um, which is its own thing. So this kind of like took off. But then when I looked at the trailers, the updated trailer, the trailer that goes with the DVD set, plays like the trailer for Home Alone. <laughs> you know, and as the music, it's just like watching Home Alone. So I said to myself, what's the difference between this movie and Home Alone? And I said, well, Home Alone is more violent. <laughs> Home Alone is Die Hard for Kids. Yeah. <laughs> so. Home Alone is little kid Die Hard. Die hard. Yeah, Home Alone, you're right. And 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 I was just looking it up and there really isn't anything, you know, people, it's got Christmas music in it. Um, there are presents yeah, involved, I, whoever he has, that's how he has the tape. Has the, how he yeah. tapes the gun to his back. It says like, yeah, Merry Christmas, Christmas or yeah. something like that on yeah. it. that teddy bear. And he's got the teddy bear. It snows at the very end. There's, you know, get Frank Sinatra. So the weather outside is, yeah. you know. So, you know, it's it's got Christmassy stuff, but I think uh, one of the things I'm reading that on the stats, a uh, Dish Network, 1.3 million Americans watched Die Hard on Christmas Eve in 2016. There you so. go. Wow. <laughs> there it is. There you go. It's a Christmas movie. And that's so just Dr. on Dish. So you can imagine how yes, many watched it on DirecTV and how many watched it. <laughs> so Doc is saying one close call is Bruce's tumble down the elevator shaft. It yep. was an accident. Yeah, Bruce did all his own stunts almost. Wow. Well, the one all. where he misses the guy and he gets to the next one memory he, he's trying to grab that actually was a stunt man that when he went down the the, the vent shaft oh and he was also trying to grab actually impossible by the way i mean the, I have but they said that was a mistake but they used it like he was supposed to grab the the opening but he missed it and he went all the way down and then they edited it so it looked like he went missed the first one and then he got the second one Wow. But could you wow. survive Die Hard? Let's see. Oh, could you survive Die Hard? <laughs> could you survive Die Hard? Yeah, I'm Dennis, right. we talked about that. Bruce did get the five million. That was unprecedented at the time. So well, they made all that money back. They did a great they I mean they oh they, it's still making money. Like, and then of course the, the yeah. franchise, I mean the subsequent films. Oh, so yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. This movie actually revolutionized the genre, the hero. And the 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 one liner, the tagline, the 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 Yippee Yeah, Yippee Um because but prior the, it did change the genre a little bit. Um before bad guys kind of had their plan and they stuck to it. This bad guy improvised with what was happening. And this good guy improvised with what was happening. I mean, it was still a script, but you know what I mean? It looked like they were reacting to each other, whereas before it was kind of like very I can't explain like regimented and this was the first time we saw an ordinary every man as our hero because before it was like Arnold it was like muscle bound guys and, and it was Sly Stallone and and that's and what I was, was saying me. before it's 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 a it's it's a story that um deifies the union you know hard-working union man you know he's a New York City beat cop you know and yeah. all these other people are masters of the universe and they're useless okay <laughs> except for him and the other beat cop out in the parking lot. Those are the two. And, you know, Bonnie Bedelia 
comes to realize this as the as the movie progresses and and she finally gets saved i think yeah. the best line the best line they gave her was um there you know he's really good at driving people crazy you know yeah, yeah. And, only john only john. john can drive somebody that crazy yeah she yeah. sees the brother come yeah. down the brother's irritated and yeah. she's like oh john's still alive still yeah alive, right yeah I like that, but I, I felt I was going back to what Rizzo said before. I felt like Bruce's one-liners and you know the way he was hitting it um, were very understated. They were very quiet. Whereas in a, in a more uh, you know in, in, a, in a later movie, I think those lines would be shouted from the rooftop a little bit. I just felt like the yeah, because Arnold the, does the one-liners. Uh, yeah, Arnold kind of felt like he he said things a lot under his breath. You know, like when he's in the in the air shaft and yeah. he's talking about come come to see your family yeah, come out to the coast family. have you yeah, he's fluttering to himself yeah and he did, did yeah you actually know what bruce as an actor did a lot of really clever things like I, did you notice when he was fighting with the wife and he pounds his head on the door jam like like i like those little moments of of how he expressed like non-verbal expression i love that yeah yeah no i mean i mean he's 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 great and he's not just well, he is eye candy in this movie, but he's not just that. I mean, I was looking at his his later stuff when you guys were talking before, and I forgot that he was in Moonrise Kingdom, which he was great in. Mm -hmm. and it was totally opposite of this character, you know, in Moonrise Kingdom and 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 a few other uh, things that he's been in. Although I can't, I have to tell you, I didn't like him in um, the Ghost movie, the I See Dead People movie. I didn't yeah, like I See Dead People, movie. Sixth Sense, Six, Sixth Sense. That sort of put me to sleep a little bit. Um, but he has a the funny, the funny thing about that film is I was watching it for the very first time, didn't know the ending, and I said, Oh, he, I said, I was kind of said it jokingly, Oh, he's so he's dead, yeah, like yeah. right in the beginning after he gets shot. And I'm like, Oh, he really was dead the whole time. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert <laughs> if you haven't so, seen well, it. We were talking about, yeah, Bruce did his own stunts for this, and yes, Alan Rickman did his one stunt, yes, the one <laughs> stunt, and he didn't realize how far he was falling. So, that reaction, yeah, well, I'm hearing conflicting things. I saw yeah. an interview with Alan, and Alan said 40 feet, and then I heard an interview with John McTiernan, and John said 70 feet. Yeah, no, so they, I'm not sure. Yeah, when he, when he let go, his reaction was real because he didn't think he was going to fall as far oh, as he did. Yeah. He was quite right. funny about it in his interview. He was like, I agreed to do it. And the producers all looked somewhat alarmed because so then they like quickly did some scheduling and they're like, let's make this last, like the very last. <laughs> they were genuinely like, I think they had some fear. And, you know, actors can't really do that anymore. Like I, I this was like kind of right after the Brandon Lee incident, like like set safety had was just starting to revolutionize right in during this time. Was it? Who got shot? Brandon Lee. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was. Um, On the crow, yeah. right? Yeah, it was the crow. It was, yeah. it was, he wasn't, it was, yeah, that one was accidental because there was something blocking the barrel and that's what killed him when the, when the, when the squid anyway, round went off. Starting it stopped, whatever was in the barrel, yeah. So when he agreed to do it, he said he literally watched producers' faces all turn white because they're all like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so then they, Rescheduled so it would be less. I think they were afraid um, that he did it. But in that, what you see is the first uh, Pat Tallman, you know? Because yeah. She, yeah. That's, this is totally in her wheelhouse, you know? The other um, cool thing about that fall is they had, a re they had to invent uh, a camera move for it because the camera operator couldn't pull focus fast enough to like follow him down, mm -hmm. like the whole way down. And so they had to actually get the computer to 
do the pull focus, pull, pull, pull focus by computer so it would be faster because you see him go away and they run it in slow mo and he's clear the whole way. Like, yeah, I guess yeah. the outside blurry a little bit, but his face is pretty clear the whole, like as far as they show him. Yeah. And that was, that had never been done before. They actually mm -hmm. had to invent how to do that for oh, this. One of the hostages. He's so smug and righteous to see him get his comeuppance at the end. Well, it makes me think also Christopher. Going to be Lord on a beach, earning twenty percent. You know, I had enough of you, you know, sort of thing, you know. Um, but, but he's yeah, the he's. So you think with Reitman in that character, though, you, you you like him. You know what I'm saying? You don't. It's like he's like the bad guy that you like because you don't, don't necessarily want him. You don't want him to succeed, but at the same time. There's a certain charisma to him that you just yeah. you're like you're kind of almost sort of rooting for him a little bit. Completely agree. I yeah. completely like agree. In the field, the black guy, the field. It's kind of like in Space Seed where they're like, you know, we could admire him and still be against him. Yeah. <laughs> like all, all the bad guys had funny moments. The Asian bad bad guy was like With at the, the candy, candy bars. Counter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, free candy. <laughs> and next thing you know, you see him eating the candy. Yeah. <laughs> they all had funny little moments. Yeah, they did have they did have some stuff. That's why I say they did little little things that uh, that 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 just made the movie you know enjoyable beyond just an action film. You know, and that's why I say you don't take it too seriously. It's just a roller coaster ride. You know, you just want to go woo the whole time you're watching it. Just, yeah. How does he <laughs> How does he stack up? How does he stack up to? I, I just flashed on a memory. How does he stack up to uh, the bad guys, if you remember the movie, in uh, The Taking of Pelham 123? Do you remember that? Remember that film? I've seen it, but I don't remember it. I've only seen it once, and it, it was a million I'm years ago. I'm thinking that he had the same sort of righteous, educated banter. You know, a lot of that movie was taking place over the phones or the radios and stuff. Um, and, it, it, and what you're saying is giving me that vibe from that movie, which is also one of my favorite movies. Well, it's like he, he, he kind of has this sort of lightheartedness to him because when the when the the guy that's cracking the safe says you know i'm going to get to this seven this next seal and it's going to take a miracle for this because the magnetics are gonna, you know dropped or whatever and it's going to take a miracle because it's, it's christmas it's theo it's it's a, it's a time it's for miracles you know, it's yeah. time for miracles because he knew as soon as the fbi cut the power it was going to kill those magnetic locks yeah. and the thing was going to yeah. open yeah, yeah, you like you said earlier, he actually had a smart plan. Yeah, no, he had it. It was like I said, if it wasn't for Bruce Willis, the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench, it wasn't Bruce. He, it wouldn't. He it they would have probably gotten away with it, of course, because we yeah. we see how bumbling the LAPD and the FBI were. Yeah, know. a few other tidbits. I see the time. A few other tidbits. Uh, in in uh, Germany, the terrorists are not German, just generically European. Just generically European. Okay, but, and he chose, and that was another thing. He chose to make them European or German because it doesn't make sense. We largely don't get a lot of German terrorists. So it'd be like, why would there be German terrorists? He didn't want to, if he tied it to something specific, like something, he didn't want to be politically tied to something specific, like Mideastern or something like that. Uh, the teddy bear belonged. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 The teddy bear belonged to McTiernan, as did the one he directed Hunt for Red October. And if you remember, uh, yep. Alec Baldwin comes home with the teddy bear. Yep. Some people say it's the same bear. I look closely at those bears. I do not believe them to be the same bear. <laughs> I've done the forensic sleuthing. They're not the same bear. <laughs> this is why we love you, Mary Beth. You, you, you know, no teddy bear will go unnoticed. No teddy bear will go unnoticed. <laughs> Yippee Kai A is the 96th. Well, sorry. 
was the 96th greatest movie list uh, line of all time, but it has since been bumped. It remains on action movie lines and one-liner lists. So what is the one-liner king? Right now, you really want to know? I really want to know. Wherever you go, there you Inquiry are. Fiery minds want to know. Wherever you go, there you are. It is, right, hang on, hang on. Dead or alive, you're coming. I don't. Oh, that way. This is action. Do you want all movies or just action? Whatever. Well, all encompassing, I guess, whatever they think is the most. All of them. In that case, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yes. Really? Yes. That has to be the winner. I don't yes, know that I right. agree. This is AFI. Well, you I mean don't know that I agree. All with time, AFI? like, most recognizable quotes from a movie or just like the one that has the most quotable? Because I don't necessarily think Casablanca has the most quotable. Is it beyond? Oh no, that, is, was, uh, that, that was that wasn't Casablanca. That was uh, gone with the wind. Sorry, gone with the wind. Um, the one hundred greatest movie quotes of all times. It doesn't specify that we talk that oh, we eat or that we. Yeah, I think as far as actual number in one movie, this one's got to oh, be. Oh, I was. That's yeah, I, was I, would think I was talking is- about sheer volume of quotables. Not just, oh, no, oh this is the most recognizable. Yes, I would think Gone with the Wind would be probably the most notable. Most Houston, we have a problem. We're going to need yeah. a bigger boat is on there. I mean, there's <laughs> much more from, uh, like, you know, Luke, I'm your father. Like, those yeah. are all on there. I thought, I thought yeah. when we were talking Bigger about boat is number 35. So what is this one, yippee Is that what they're it, telling us? It, it got bumped <laughs> off the all-time quotes. It's still on action movie quotes. So interesting, that line is all used in all the other four Die Hard movies, the Yippee-Kay. Of course. <laughs> of course, it's their tagline. It's their signature tagline. Have you watched and the ball? Do I have any other? What's that? Have you seen them all? Have you seen them all? Uh, yes, I've probably only seen this one and the second one multiple times. The other ones I think I've only seen maybe once. The, the second one is actually, for, for sequels, the second one is really good. Um, for a sequel, the and then they get to the third and the fourth one. It gets go. Yeah, rough. it gets a little not as good. But uh, things yeah. to watch for you guys next time you watch the movie. Um, Alan Rickman would flinch whenever he had to fire a gun, so they had to do some creative editing around him. But you can still kind of see it when Alan is speaking in an American accent and speaking to Bruce, and Bruce is catching on to who he is. Notice that the angles all change to those Dutch angles, like he starts filming it this way just to kind of symbolize how neither man is playing it straight with the other guy. Nice. Ooh. Um, Imagery. Imagery. It's in there. It's hiding under all the- Roger Ebert gave us a negative review, so we won't, we know that that doesn't. Well, yeah, Roger, yeah, yeah. Well, he never, he never, like, it was funny. If you remember that, the review show he'd always he always he never liked a lot of mainstream type films that were like this like action type stuff he just always i guess he felt they were a little too pablamy yeah he didn't like um a few other things to watch for um he every time that elevator bell dings it gets worse whatever's going to happen next it gets worse and then uh he he kind of bends some filmmaking rules in three ways one notice that the whole opening like the whole opening part is exposition in the limo we're setting up who these people are like the entire not just the limo like everything going on this is all exposition then it takes time to develop like plot before any real action starts 
And they bother to make sure the audience knows its way around the Nakatomi Plaza and Towers. Like they bother to kind of give us the geography of the area so that oh, while right. we're with, while we're with yeah. Bruce, we can be thinking to ourselves, okay, where should we go? Where should we go hide? Where should we yeah. go attack? You know, how should we handle, where will they be? Where should I be? Which is kind of different and interesting. And I thought was a good move on McTiernan's part. It made me think of, it made me think of, when I was watching it, uh, that movie that's synonymous with um, celebrating um, New Year's Eve, The Poseidon Adventure, how they were climbing oh, all me. over the building and all through the passageways and stuff like that. Of course, the building wasn't upside down, um, you know, so we missed out on that. But I did get that vibe. And of course, The Poseidon Adventure is the unofficial king of New Year's Eve movies, okay. I would think, you know. Are there any other New Year's Eve movies? I guess not. I guess it's just Poseidon. Well, well no, there's got to be some. Movie called New Year's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are other movies, but that I always thought about that because the boat gets hit with a tsunami on New Year's, you know, when, when right when it goes over. And yeah, it's just, it's just like lives in the same sort of zone where it focuses in on a group, small group of people and their adventures throughout the thing. And of course, the same thing is happening here. And of course, I've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, the greatest Thanksgiving movie is Adam's Family Values for what happens, what goes down at this summer camp. Um, I don't know if anybody <laughs> says, you can't argue me out of that. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that always bothered me on this, you're talking about, he's up on the floor where they're still con doing construction and he finds the, the lunch pail left there and he gets the Twinkie out. And basically implies that the Twinkie has gone bad, which I call shenaniganly bullshit on that because I we agree. know that a damn Twinkie's gonna last. If the guy was just up there that day or the day before, or even a week before, that Twinkie was still gonna be good. Twinkies <laughs> would last forever. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that Twinkie. So, but anyway, so we're man, almost yeah. at the eight o'clock hour. So we'll do our shout outs before we go. Right. Wait, hang on. Now I gotta get my notebook which is under the microphone. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. I'm recovering from my booster shot. I'm a little oh. weather and this has been, this has been uh, Well, at least you got boosted. I needed to get boosted. Nobody else sitting in the room with me was wearing a mask. It freaked me out. <laughs> That's kind of weird. We all wear masks around well, You know, they're, they're cardboard, right? Masks again. You realize the ones behind you are just cardboard they don't need to wear no, these guys yeah no, these guys <laughs> these guys are fine <laughs> the virus doesn't like them because it's afraid of the shadows <laughs> no when I... I went to the pharmacy no one who came into the pharmacy for a shot there was like five of us together i was the only one masked so i was like what am i what's going on here you know it was, it was i I, anyway. I wear masks in public but massachusetts mandated it we have to wear them in public again yeah. That's New York is always anyway. mandated I wear a mask, even before the pandemic. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, young captain doesn't, the young captain does not have much going on. Roy is off this week because they are doing a murder mystery on Saturday right. night. Um, but when he comes back, he's doing a viewer's choice show. So right. if you have something that you want him to do, now is and your he chance. He should do the Poseidon Adventure for New Year. He should do the Poseidon Adventure for New Year. Batman. Mad Phil. <laughs> Batman, the 1966 again. <laughs> I just wanted him to do the old Art Deco Superman. Um, oh, the Max Fleischer. Yeah, the Fleischer Superman. Those are yeah. great. Those are great. Captain Phil, what do you have coming up? When? When will you be on since you were on at all different it's, times? It's, it's been crazy, um, but I do have a regular spot. I'm no longer on Tuesday mornings. That's over. 
but I do have a music spot on Friday nights, a regular spot from 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., followed by Destiny's The Voice of Science Fiction, where I play long-form prog. Um, I'm going to be partially preempted for sports on Friday. I should be starting around 9, 9.15 if you want to catch me. And then the next Captain Phil's Planet is a week from Thursday, which is the Captain Phil's Planet holiday special featuring Scarbucket from the Empire and my good friend, Anne-Marie Strauss, my speech language pathologist, where we will do the reading of the Grinch. There you go. There you go. Good choice. Classic. Classic. You're going to do it as yeah. Boris Karloff? We had Sarah Karloff on one year to talk yeah. about it with us. Does it she sound like her dad? She looks like her dad. Does she really? <laughs> she really does. She really does. She was awesome. And and the thing that happened with Sarah was, um, we, it's only a two-hour show, and Sarah talked for forty-five minutes straight. <laughs> we almost ran out of time to read the story, but I played Car- Boris's narration when I got because I was back in the studio, so she could hear me through the phone. So I played Boris's narration for her right when she came on. And I said, Sarah, do you recognize that voice? And it was just a joy to hear her. And she was like a little girl again, you know? Uh-huh. I, like, I love that voice. I miss it so much. It was, yeah, that's one of those moments that I'll never forget. So glad. Anyway, what else is going on? Well, next, we week, we, next week we're going to do, I think we'll do a little fun one. I think we'll do Polar Express. I know yep. it's a kid's movie, but it's uh it's it's a really great christmas movie especially if you have kids um uh so i think that'll be a fun one there's some a lot of technology in that in that film actually and some really good music actually in that one so uh, we'll do that one and then we're gonna wrap up right before christmas we're gonna do a christmas story so of course that'll be a lot of fun you shoot your eye out kid um, that ought to be a lot of fun too. Um, another great. So it's so then I think we might we will probably take a little hiatus between Christmas and New Year's just to give ourselves a break. And since there's no really good Christmas, I mean New Year's movie. Well, <laughs> Roy's yeah. already did. Martin said Roy already did. So, excuse me, Poseidon. Did I do Poseidon? We could do the remake, but that's just lame. <laughs> no, it's sunk. Return to the Poseidon Adventure. Return yeah, to the Poseidon Adventure. Yes. Not good, not good. So that's that's about it. Say, yeah. So uh oh trading so, places is New Year's. Trading places is yeah. New Year's. Yeah, that's New Year's and Christmas. That kind of that is a great film. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll do it. Say, maybe we'll do uh, maybe we'll do Trey. Who see what the crowd wants. If you want, I, I mean what the hell? I got nothing else to do on a Wednesday night between Christmas and New Year's. So it's not like a it's not like my dance card is full here. <laughs> we uh we sign up for HBO Max and um and the other one, uh Disney Plus. And uh, my wife discovered uh, Santa Inc., um, which is a stop motion thing with Sarah Silverman is really, really inappropriate for children and very filthy, horrible, uh, but it's great. Well, if you want to talk <laughs> so, about great Christmas films that are that are not for children, Bad, Bad Santa. Bad Santa. Bad Santa is like got to be at the top of the list. That is hysterical. Um, you know, uh, trying to think of some other ones, but that one just jumps right <laughs> <laughs> a christmas vacation um yeah is another yeah. another classic um so anyway uh yeah if you guys let us know if you want us to do something like trading places uh between christmas and new year's um you know yeah we we're happy to do it also let me know keep the mic or dump it curious to hear your feedback jeff i'm sure jeff rubles gonna be like no dump it but 
it, well, it's the thing was, it was like when Dennis was on, we couldn't hear you. So you it, couldn't hear Dennis, but you could hear me. It yeah. improves when there's two people in this in your same space. Maybe I'll use it when Dennis is here. Yeah. So uh, you didn't really have a problem before. It was just whenever you had a guest. I will use it to yell at Dennis. Use it to yell at Dennis. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let everybody go. Go and watch Die Hard if you haven't watched it once this year. You got to watch it at least once. I believe it's on IMBD uh, streaming service with it, yeah, it's on with yeah. commercials. So uh, which makes it kind of long, but it's worth it. I have it. I have it on DVD, so I can watch it Roku whenever I want. It's on the Roku channel for free. There you go. It's oh, on Roku for free. Okay. Yeah, it's on IMBD for free too. You just got to watch commercials. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, good night. Thanks, everybody. I know we don't do a really good job of acknowledging everybody who comes and watches. We really I, yeah, do we appreciate read it. and we see your comments. We and read we them read all it. and see them all. And um, yeah, we'll. So anyway, <laughs> in the meantime, stay safe, live long and prosper. If you can get boosted, get boosted. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.